been looking for a podcast to help you transform your physical and mental. One that'll shoot you straight between the eyes with truth and no BS. Helping you have the right mindset to accomplish things. The iron will and fortitude to follow through with what you say you're going to do. No excuses. Mark owns martial arts schools, and after 30 years, he has some real insight for real talk, real life, real conversations, motivational, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, live from the Great 1-8. This is Real Talk with Mark Cox. Right. We live now, Doc. How are we doing this morning? Oh, well, it's not morning. It's evening. I usually do these things in the morning. My bad. I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? Good. I'm doing awesome. How's the weather out where you're at? It's kind of cool, a little chilly. Not not great chilly. weather like the West Coast. <laughs> yeah, well, I don't know. Today, they say it's going to get kind of cold for us coming up on Thursday. We'll get this rainy cold. Right now, it's a, you know, it's a cool 75. Sun shining. <laughs> So, you know, typical California day. Oh, we got Daniela on already. Emilio's on saying hi up, to you. Family? So it's good. It's good. So listen, I'm super excited. Uh, we get to have this conversation today. I'm looking forward to meeting, having my uh, audience meet you. So before we get going, guys, my name is Mark Cox. If you haven't been on, listen to me before on the show, my show is called Beyond the Mat. And today I got Dr. Oliver Reed with us, and I'm just going to read his bio to you guys, and we're going to just jump into this today, okay? We're thrilled to welcome Dr. Oliver Reed to our podcast. He's a dynamic figure who works spans across multiple domains, including motivational speaking, entrepreneurship, authorship. Dr. Reed is not only a revered pastor and teacher, but also an esteemed minister known for his impactful contributions in various communities. As a multi-best-selling, award-winning author and speaker, he has harnessed his expertise to serve as a willing coach, ghostwriter, helping countless individuals bring their stories and ideas to life. We welcome you to the show, Dr. Reed. It's good to have you here, bud. It's good to have you, man. I'm so excited to be on here. So happy to be with you, man, Mark. Yeah, man, I'm so bummed. I, this this last men's get-together you had, I was like, man, that looked like some fun. I could have had some fun doing that. Man, it was epic, man. Every time we get together as men, it's like you never know what's going to happen, but you know something great's going to happen. And we're there yeah. like the next day every time. Well, it's funny, you know, being uh, being that you're a Christian man also, and we have, you know, I have, you see my, I'm bald right now, right? Yeah. We, got, we have a, a family friend that I've known. Matter of fact, her husband worked for me when he was a teenager. They have martial arts school, and she's battling leukemia. She shaved her head the other day. So three of us did that live yesterday on the mat for her in solidarity and say, hey, we got you. And so, you know, watching you guys in the impactful wedge you have with God, I just know God's on the move, and uh, he's there to, to, you know, wreak havoc over the over, uh, – the demons and uh, and Satan and, yeah. and here to give us blessings, man. So it was fun to watch that, watch everybody kind of get into that uh, yesterday. It looked like you guys were, or, uh, not yesterday, uh, the week or so ago when you guys were at your, I think you were at your home. Were you at, was this all at your house you were doing this? You know, we had some folks at my house. We ended out of, uh, 
uh, Airbnb property uh, oh. nearby, maybe 20 minutes away. So some people were at my house. Uh, some people crashed at my house the day before. And then we went over to the Airbnb. Man, I want to commend you uh, just for your heart and even shaving your head on behalf of that that individual battling leukemia. And we're going to keep our prayer. Yes, she's going to, you know, I, I told her, I, I spoke with her when I was in the hospital here last, you know, a few months back, I had this pancreatitis. My, I was, I went in the hospital, I was doing some training and then I just wasn't feeling well. It ends up being pancreatitis, which was, which really sucked. But I had the same amount of prayers coming to me, man. I felt, I told the doctor, the doctor says, you're kind of healing now quickly and i said i'm going to be out of here before my son's uh graduation i can just feel it right. i said i can't explain it to you i can just feel that i'm being healed right now i said i don't know if you're a believer or not but then again i really don't care if you're a believer i just know what i'm i'm, I'm feeling you know what i mean so yeah i, I get that i get that so we, we'll keep her i told her that we have a group of men that get on get behind this and 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 watch it because god will get all the glory anyway so that's what that's what yeah. we're going to do but yeah, I look a little bit different now that I'm um but I rock it pretty good. I'm like, man, man you look pretty good, man. I, I knew it was something different. Some edges you know, had the sexiness coming through. I didn't know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'll tell you what, even though she shaved her head and she looks better than all of us with no hair. I, I told her, I said, Man, beauty doesn't need hair. That's just the way right. it goes. You know, it was it was awesome. Well, let's jump into in a couple of things. I know. So, for those that don't know, that I'm I'm actually uh, under uh, Doctor Reed's tutelage on a on an anthology we're getting ready to release, right? Called Dear Younger Me. Yeah, I got to be one of the authors in that. I, you know, I I uh, I sent in my chapter, and you know, I thought really hard about that. But let's talk about this, Doc. You, you since you do a lot of you, you know, having people write their books and, and ghostwriting and all that kind of stuff. What does it look like for you? The difference with an anthology and a book. Why don't we explain that to, to our listeners real quick? Yeah, a, a book. Let's start with a book first. A book is like, a, you know, it could be so many different genres, so many different topics. It can be fiction, which is something made up. It could be a, a bio, um, something real, uh, autobiography, just different things. Um it's more work. I would put from a standpoint, it's it's a lot of effort um, to just have one body of work from one individual. Um, so a singular book or, you know, whatever that may be. Authoritative book, it could be so many different genres or so many different styles of book. Um, so that's just your particular, you're owning it, wherever it is, one author. But let's move to the anthology or collection of stories or, um, you know, vision, vision books, I like to call them, or collaborative books is where people can then write a particular chapter, like this piece of the puzzle, and it can be one book. So people who, you know, are overwhelmed a lot of times with saying, hey, I got to write this whole entire book about my life or a story or whatever it may be, narrative, novel, whatever it may be. I like anthologies and those group uh, collective collaborations because they allow you to write a bite-sized piece with people who share the common vision of the book. And before you know it, you have a book. 1500 to 2500 words um, or a chapter and you can break that down to bite-sized pieces and i like it for uh, another fact that the, the project that we're both a part of we'll be able to push each other so once you read somebody's chapter um it may resonate um but somebody else's chapter will also resonate with an individual or a different population but we all in one book so it, it kind of evens the playing field so if you got a million followers 
Mark, what you do. You're like brilliant in so many different ways. You've just been breaking stuff everywhere, right? Uh, I can still joy uh, and, and piggyback off of your success as well. And people can in, introduce uh, themselves to Dr. Reed in my chapter. So it's a great way to start for people who haven't written the book too, as well as if you haven't written the book for the first time, that's great. Or if you just have written books, but you want more exposure, it's good to partner with people with the same goal. That's so, and when I started this, so I started with Emilio the first time I wrote a book, right? Yeah. And this is how we came about, uh, got to meet at, his, I think, at his uh, event. Mm -hmm. I was so flustered in writing a book. Oh, my goodness. I I knew I had a lot of these stories because I, yeah. I speak a lot about them. And, I, you know, I've had these life events that's happened to me. And how do I share them? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I wished I had an anthology to start it, right? But I, you know, I jump in full full bore with this uh, with this book writing, and then I needed some help writing. So you know, the ghost writing thing, it, I always mm -hmm. felt to me, I was like, well, that doesn't mean that means it's, it doesn't feel like it's my book anymore, right? So, but man, I, I was mistaken on what that was. It's you and I having a conversation like this, and me going over yeah. these. And then you have somebody that knows how to articulate what you're saying. And then, of course, you get to you get to hey, this this doesn't sound too because I remember writing my book. I was like, oh, man, uh, you know, when I went through the divorce part. Yeah, you know, I told her my whole story. And when I read it back, I'm like, oh, we got to edit that out because this is just going to breed. And, and this is not we can't do yeah. this. And so it was a great, it was a great way for me to, to help get through that. But all these anthologies and stuff now that I've done, I've done a couple of them now. Now it's, um, I did spiritual fitness mm -hmm. and now this one with you. And I got another one, a born to risk, another one in, in the works. And it was, it was nice to do a bite-sized thing. Cause I can concentrate on one thing. Yeah. Right. One, one, one thing, right. What the younger me, now there's a lot of lessons in younger me, but what I ended up doing is writing a letter to myself, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. That's how I did it. I said, you know what? I'm going to write a letter to myself, what I would talk, what I would say and stuff like that. So that's how, that's how I went about this anthology with you that in which I totally enjoyed it. It was, it was fun. So we're looking forward to, the, to see what, what I, I can't, I don't know how your, um, how I'm looking forward to seeing how you bring all this out, you know, how you how you market it and, and do all that kind of stuff. So we're in that in that phase. But it says you have this unique um, for writers to, to help them write. Yeah. Called M.I.L.K. Right. What is it that makes yours unique? What is that that makes it unique? Man, I, I love that question. I, I love Emilio. Daniela, they're, they're really amazing in that space. And we talk about this a lot, how even though you can be doing the same thing, you can definitely have your own secret sauce, right? And so MILK stands for four things, and I'll just kind of get briefly go over them. But I always tell people that, you hear me say this a lot, McDonald's is not worried about Ruth Chris, even though they all sell beef. Yeah. Both of them sell beef, they're not worried about it. They have their own population, they have their own target audience, and then they have what I like to say, they have their own sauce. Right. So sauces, I always say is a solution. S is for solution. They all have their own solution. They solve different things. Right. I can't go to McDonald's and ask for root fresh prime rib steak. They're going to say we we don't specialize in that. Right. I can't go to root Chris and say, hey, give me a five piece nugget, six piece nugget. You know, they're going to say we don't do that. All right. But at the end of the day, they all sell food. 
Now, so they solve something, which is the SA is the audience. They have their particular audience. You, they have their own unique way of doing it. C, they have their own creative juices. The entrees is what that creates creativity is. And we all have our own creativity. And then E, they know how to execute. All right. So milk, four things is the messaging. So when I start working with somebody who is going to write a book, you know, there's so many people who say they're going to write a book. And some people come to me at different phases. Some come to me at a place where they are saying, I have the book written. Or some people come to me with nothing. Some people have an idea or outline. But either way, I always say to them, the first thing I want to start with them is M. M is the messaging in milk. You remember this, Mark? I'm sure you heard it back in the day when we look at people and they say, hey, this person is really milking it. Like that dude is really milking it. He's not hurt or she's just really milking it. Well, we shouldn't we really milk our story. So the fact of the matter is you should milk your story. Like right now, I'm sitting here with the iPhone. Steve Jobs was really great with milking the iPhone. He would give you an iPhone 1. They would, in their marketing, just change maybe a pixel on the camera, iPhone 2. And you'll pay another $1,500 to get the iPhone 2. Then you keep going. Now they're 15. I'm still stuck at 12. And I'm trying to catch up because they are constantly giving you the same thing with a little better features. They are milking it instead of just getting the one phone. Everybody, a lot of times, I get this a lot of times with writing their story. They want to write their whole story. And I'm telling you, hey, one of the things I always tell people, you don't have to finish to be finished. You can put it in a volume. You can put it in a short story. It doesn't have to be this long, drawn-out thing. So M is the messaging. So I get people all the time, Mark. They come to me with a story, but they don't know who the book is for. I wrote this book, and I don't know who it's for. So M is we work on your messaging. to realize what your mess is. What is your mess age? What is it that you are really trying to solve? Then we move to I. Once you got your message, we can move to the I, which is implementation. So many people got great messages, but they never implement. You know, this in the martial arts world, business world, you got people that sit, want to be champions, but they never go to practice. They never execute. Mm -hmm. They never get the foundation. So I is that implementation. Well, now let's implement. L is then linking it all together. Now that you have this message and you implemented it, how do you link it together? I help people not be used car salesmen or used book salesmen, right? Some people just want to show up on their release day and think they're going to be a bestseller and they're going to sell millions of books. But I'll talk to them about how do you link that on your social media pile? How do you link that on videos? Every part of your business, are you talking about a book prior to the release? Because nobody wants to be the politician knocking on the door the day of trying to get votes. All right. So you should be already talking about it, building an audience. And then K is the knowledge. Now, this brother is amazing because the knowledge is what people will pay and invest for. That is what you saw. So it's good to talk about your life story, but somewhere inside of your book, you should be talking about what you solve in business, what you solve in life. Because if you can solve a problem, people will pay you for the solution. I think I want to hit on that, Doc, because I, I speak on this about myself quite often. You know, I'm not sure where were you at Emilio's when I smacked some bricks down? Were you there when I did that or not? Were you at his event when I broke bricks and stuff on stage? Yes, I was there right there. Okay. I had my mouth open. I right. Like, so, right. So I was talking. I talked before I did that because uh, I talked about, you know, just my ego was so engaged back when I was a young guy, right? Trying to win these these events. And and then I lost this event to a guy in a wheelchair. And I was like, oh, my gosh. And uh, I will never forget it. I was so angry, first of all, that I even was in the division because it's hard to beat a, a disability, number one. Mm -hmm. 
But in then martial arts, all the years I've been doing it, people with disabilities do amazing things anyway. It's just like I, I you know, what what they really aren't a disability. So we go through this and he ends up winning this. And I was just so taken. I, I was man, I was angry and sad. I was all kinds of emotions. And then I just then I watched him do a speech. And he brings me in the speech and says, I want to thank Mark Cox. And I'm like, I'm sinking in my seat now because I was such a jerk. And I was like, oh, my goodness. Um, and then he tells a story that he was hit by a truck and his blood transfusion had had AIDS in it. And he was dying. It wasn't my year to win a championship. That was his year. That's now marked down for his family to see and all that kind of stuff. Right. And I was so Man, I was so taken back. My humility just completely changed from my competition. Mm -hmm. And I still have a competitive edge, and I'm still, you know, when I when I when I meet the enemy face to face, man, I, I'm ready for war. But for sure, but in the winning and the losing, it's 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 the same face. I don't, you know, and so the humility really got to me. That 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 life thing got to me. So what you said here is. With the knowledge in the book that you need to tell people every, even with Emilio, even on the stages that I've been talking on, I've never talked about my wins too much. I always, I talk a lot about my losses. Mm -hmm. and I've never mm -hmm. talked about that. I can, I can help somebody run, do a martial arts and they can make money. I haven't told anybody I've got an organization that's underneath me where all the schools are making a good amount of money. I've never done that because mm -hmm. I just felt so cocky on stage. You know, I felt so vain. I just didn't want to yes. do it. So I think when, when other people are listening to this, gonna, I, I get this brought up quite often is it's okay to talk about your wins, your successes. Yeah. Why don't you elaborate on that? So you can, so other people yeah. can hear from you what that, what that looks like. Man, I love that. And, and, and I've, I've been a part of that. I would say a victim of that, not really wanting to to really toot my horn in, in the areas of where God has blessed us to solve. Um, I'm working on a book right now. I work on about three or four books simultaneously. I, I release at least three to four books a year since 2010, following the same system of this milk writing system. So not only do I help people write books and work with people on anthology projects, I do my best to stay sharp and I write for therapy and release more than selling books. Right. And one of the things I want to tell people watching this right now that I encourage my clients not to just write a bestseller, but become that book that you want to write. Become that book you want to write. And I always say it's great to talk about your life and what you overcome, but you have to really shift to, especially business owners. Let me talk to entrepreneurs, speakers and coaches. I did a lot of research on you, Mark, and just watch what you do. You, you're a guy that leads with certain People will say, okay, this martial arts, but you do a whole lot more. Um, you lead, you pour in, you, you got organizations that you, you help develop. And what I'm telling anybody that's an entrepreneur on this, this platform right now, listening to answer your question. If you have not written a book about what you do already, it is one of the biggest travesties, you know, because I feel like if you are in business, you already got processes, procedures, SOPs, systems and processes, you know how to do whatever you fell on your face. You, you have traumatic experiences in business that people will pay you for. It's not all about money. And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about pay you an opportunity to help someone else, give you an opportunity financially. Um, not, if it's not even financially, relationships that you can connect with 
simply because people are trying to do what you've already done. Let me say it again. People are trying to do what you've already done. And so when they're Googling for your book, they can't find you because you didn't write the book about your success because you're like, oh, there's nothing. And we don't celebrate the wins and put it in the book, right? I always put it, the most successful individual that walked the planet Earth is God, Christ, right? If you believe it or not. You can believe it or not, but the best-selling book in the world, the number one book in the world, the number one anthology in the entire world is the Bible written by dead men. Mm-hmm. But they took their stories about their failures, their success, and I say milk all of it, right? So if you're doing that, man, this thing we didn't have the book of Job to read, right? Somebody who lost oh. everything, and we got to a position. What about you out there as an entrepreneur, speaker, coach? Um, whatever, and you didn't really tell the story. So we know you got the seven figures now, but what happened when you didn't get approved for the loan, when you were bankrupt? Well, you know, just the story you shared about being in that contest and what it meant to you. It helps Mm -hmm. me deal with pride or a situation that I may be going through. And so if you don't leave those nuggets behind you in business, so if you're watching and you haven't written the business book on what you do, right? You need to be able to do that because you can leave a trail for somebody else who's coming through the same lane as you. Yeah, that's powerful. That's yeah, that's good. I, I struggle with that. On I, I've 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 changed the dynamics now. Uh, to on stage because my my next I, I do have a book that's in you know I've got the cover I've got everything it's called and I've got most of it written but. This one's called Black Belt Tactics in Life and Business. This is more the tactical thing on on how I've taken the principles of what being a martial artist is and and how they coincide with business. Uh, how like even jujitsu, when somebody's trying to choke you out or somebody's there's no one here coming to run to help you. That's all on you. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You got to figure a way out. You 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 either tap out or you figure ways out. And in, in business, every day you're dodging and ducking business uh, punches and hooks and everything else. So that's that's my next one. So I, I really wanted to to get your take on on that because I try I try and tell everybody now everybody should be writing books at this point. Okay. Yeah. I've tried to get every one of my martial arts school owners. I've got some bad boys, man. I got guys that are combat marines that you know that have stories of mm-hmm. just stuff that would just be mind-blowing to people that you think you have it bad. This is my thought process. This is how I thought under pressure. And yeah. when, I, when you're under pressure and how you think, you go back to how you trained. And if you train well, that's what happens. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I think that's, I think that, that's wow. Yeah. I, I just, I, I, I think that, you know, I don't know if you're on that same belief. I mean, do you believe that everybody has a book waiting in them? Yes. I, I firmly believe that every person in the planet Earth has a book in them because they have a story. Um, I've worked with individuals who were blind. I work with individuals who had handicaps, disabilities, dyslexic, and they were still able to have a story in them. And I think the biggest things that people think is because they have a story in them, they have to write it. Going back to your point. There's gifted people. Um, there's people that I work with that never write one word, but they tell their story to me with using what they have, which is their voice. And I always say that speaking is writing and writing is speaking. So I get a lot of people say, hey, uh, Doc, I'm not a writer. I'm a speaker. And I'm like, yeah, you, you're a writer. You just speak with words. 
You speak with words that write on the hearts of people. Now that's just translate that onto pages, right? So I believe that every person in the planet Earth has a story. It's just you have to figure out what means that you would use, what vehicle that you would use to bring this story. I like what you're talking about, linking in a creative way these tactics in jujitsu with what happens in business. That's your secret sauce. Like what I'm saying is that you have to, and I get people who struggle because they're writing about what they're passionate about. So you got people trying to tell somebody else's story, Mark, because that's what's hot. Like, okay, let me jump over to crypto because that's that's a hot button item. And that's really not your passion. One thing about mm-hmm. if you write the story about your life or what you really experience, you're more passionate about it. It's one thing if I write about my friend's car who got hit and I write about my car that got hit. It gets personal <laughs> when it's my story and I have a different passion. Because you know what it is? Oh, this, this guy is really great. You know, I, I appreciate what you doing right i recently went to a change of events in my life mark to where i had to say oh i had a lot of sympathy for people who went through this it's a total different ball game when it hits home for me right and so now i'm able to write about that and i'm writing about a story that's going to be coming out this year that i never really shared because it hit home to me so i always tell people if you have trouble with writing you really don't have a writing issue you're just not writing about something that's passionate because if your finger is slammed in the door, you're gonna move it, you're gonna, ah, you're gonna scream. You're gonna have a passion for it. But if somebody else shut their finger in the door, you're like, hey man, this idiot keeps shutting his finger in the door, right? But until you do it, you have a grace, you have a wherewithal, you have a tactic. So it's really um, you finding out in you, what is your story? I say something all the time, everywhere I go, I was in Jacksonville this past weekend, I shared it to a group of entrepreneurs. And I told them, I would rather write my story while I'm alive then allow somebody to skim over the highlights when I'm dead. I'll say that again. I will write my story while I'm alive so that people won't have to skim over or make things up when I pass away. So my great-great-grandchildren, my daughter and son's children, right, daughters, listen to this. They're going to be able to say, Dr. Oliver Reed is this way because I can pick up a book instead of having to ask 10 people about what my life was. So that's how important it is. I, I can't tell you how many funerals I sat in where people just flip over the back of the obituary and read this paragraph, and that's it, right? And we know that there was more to that individual person's life than what was on that paper. So guys, write your story while you're alive so people won't have to figure out who you really were. Write your testimony. Yeah, that's that's so uh, powerful, Doc. I, I try and tell everybody that now. You know, I'm trying to even get lucky for me. Both my folks are still alive mm-hmm. and, I'm try, you know, trying to get them to even, I mean, they, you're looking at people that got married at 18 and 16. My parents did. Yeah. Right. Married in 1959 and I was born in 61. My parents were 18 and 16. So I have these, you know, and they're both still alive right now. And so they went through, you know, that the whole fifties and the sixties and what that was like and getting the stories from them is, is awesome. I've, I've told my parents both too. I said, Hey, we can do this. You, you can do something together and uh, have a ghostwriter help you guys put your stuff to on paper. And so I keep, I keep struggling with that too. I, I, that is a, that's important. That's definitely an important thing for sure. So, on your on your books when you when you write your books what's what's the best advice that and we're going to move on to another topic but i want you to give people's best advice on 
how to get past their fear of of what writing a book really is. That it's really not as difficult as people seem to think it is. Yeah. Man, so, I think the biggest thing is with them is finding your communication style or your writing style of writing a book. Now I'm gonna give some people some cheat codes and people to charge and you know, charge and actually I do thousands of dollars for this, right? Basically, you have to realize that maybe you're not a physical writer, that you're not gonna sit and write it down on your tablet or you're not gonna type it out. Then you probably need to get with the coach. And I tell people this all the time. I wish, it took me 10 years to write my first book. And I really wish I would have hired myself the first time because I was trying to do it myself, you know, with AI and everything out there. Everybody, you can just use AI and you can just do all these other things. And yeah, you can get it up there, but you know, positioning and how you want to work and is it really your soul? Like I always tell, AI is a great tool, but you still got to feed it and it doesn't have a soul. It's only going to put in what you put in, right? It'll give you some more stuff, but you know your true story, right? So basically I tell people, face your fear and become fearless. So knowing a lot of times that people, is not the fact that you're afraid to tell your story. You just don't know how. So finding out a person that can help you tell your story. I always say that if you can't start, always start with the fear. If you can't start, start with the fear. I say, hey, I'm afraid to write my story. I'm not talking about what I'm afraid of right now, but I'm still writing because sentences lead to paragraph. Paragraphs lead to pages. Pages lead to chapters. Chapters lead to books, right? And so if you can just put a word down, you need to start writing it. Find somebody, but also talk about the less restrictive thing, the least restrictive thing. Okay, I'm afraid of this because I don't know, you know, I, I, and, and really face it. Also, don't edit your work. I always tell people, dump it out. Don't try to make it make sense. Sometimes you'll get chapter three before one. Sometimes you get eight before you get six. Quit trying to like dissect it in your mind, trying to figure out this book. That's why you hire a professional, somebody that can help you sort out all of this stuff. Talk about your real feelings as they come. Other thing I would talk about, talk about your pain points. Talk about things that's going to really make you talk. If you know, if it's you know, we don't really have a problem a lot of times talking about the surface stuff. Um, that's why you hire a coach. I could, I get on a call with a lot of people and they, they talk very surface, but it's certain ways, and I'm trained to ask those questions that before they know it, they're talking in a way where they probably wouldn't have written it out, but they're verbalizing it. So maybe you're a verbal communicator, a verbal writer that needs to talk it out, right? Uh, maybe you need to have an outline because you're very structured and you need to be able to see the outline, but you don't know where to get started. So I always say, find out what, what, what jogs your memory, realize what happened, and just pour it out. Dump it out. I know it's going to look crazy because um, I know people want to write and hold on to their story. You can't write and hold on to your story. Uh, I get people all the time, well, you know what? I, I really want to share this traumatic experience, but I'm wondering what my mom's going to say. I'm wondering what my cousin's going to say. I'm wondering what somebody's going to say. And I'm saying, hey, is this your truth? That's why they call it his story. Is your story, is your account of that story or her story? And I think if you filter yourself and always being afraid of what somebody else is going to say, you live in a world that's not really true and really real. And the only person that suffers is you. So I have people all the time, they write their story and I'll give this a piece of advice. When you're writing your story, working with a professional, working with someone, and you are happy with that story, the number one mistake I get and I see, Mark, is that people will then share that book or share that story with their friends and family and colleagues. And before you know it, they get this advice. And before you know it, it's not their story anymore. And I'm going to give you a very powerful point, and I hope you catch this. Be careful of what people envision about your vision. 
Let me say that again. Oh, Be careful man, what good. people envision about your vision. I can't tell you, Mark, and I'm sure you may have been in this mm-hmm. position, how I've went and told people I was excited about a vision I had. Some of them I've written book before I know it is like, well, you know what I envision? No, no, why you shouldn't have said that right here. Maybe somebody get offended. Before I know it, if I'm not careful, what they envision becomes division or division because it separates me from my focus that God has given me. And now I'm trying to work on how it's going to filter to everybody to where before I know it, my story is watered down. Everybody else is happy, but I'm sitting here not being true to myself. So I always tell people when I'm working with them, let's get everybody involved that's a decision maker in your life, if that's the case, so that we don't get this product that's finished and then you send it to somebody else. And I can't tell you how many times they have to go back and rewrite it. But when you start to rewrite all of these things, we're not talking about grammar and punctuation and the structural content of your paper or your book. I'm talking about what was your real heart? What was the real meaning? What was the great purpose? What was your inspiration? Hold that. And if you were fearing something, face it. Because I realized something uh, when I was a young kid that I'll share right here. And a lot of people face this in their book writing. I was terrified of big dogs. I'm still kind of not their friend. And I see them, I'm kind of like, okay, let's let's see how we can work together, <laughs> right? <laughs> but when I was growing up, <laughs> I grew up in the project. So we did, you know, we had pit bulls, all these crazy things. And so I remember one day, it's time for me to go to school. My mom was kind of, she's she's a bad woman, bad lady. Right now, Mark, her hands are still bigger than my hand. I'm a grown man. My mom's fist is bigger than mine. So she said, it's time to go to school. And I heard this loud, ferocious dog barking in the hallway. And it was only one way out. And I said to myself, man, I, I, I don't know. Do I get beat by my mom or do I get bit by this dog? I don't know. I don't want either one of them. So I'm sitting in there and something said, you idiot. Look through the people. So I'm looking through the people. I look through the people, Mark, and I look out. It's a puppy, but it was inside of a hallway. <laughs> and it is barking and the, the reverberation and the echo made this giant thing. When it was a puppy, I could just step over it. I said, oh. Wow. As I got older, I realized that that's life. A lot of times we're thinking that this big dog is barking and ferocious in the hallway. Um, that, that when we tell people our real story, that we're going to get this rejection. And if we tell what happened to us, nobody's going to accept us. And you don't know that the liberation of telling your story frees others. Y'all catch that? The liberation of telling your story frees others. So just like that dog in the hallway, that might be the thing you're afraid of. But look to the people. Get a different perspective. Get a different area of view of what's going on, and you'll realize it's not as big as it seems anyway. Face your story. That's so, yeah, that's so powerful, man. All, all of that is uh, right right in line with just life in general. I mean, people fear f- fear that, fear what they think. And to start with the fear, I like that. I might even use that, I think. Yeah. Because I hear this every day, right? Well, I'm kind of fearful to step on the mat. Mm. Well, then let's face that fear. Just step on the mat. Let's go. Let's just do that part first. I like that. I like that a lot. That's really good, Doc. Really enjoyed that. Well, let's talk about how you how you grew up. So, I, you know, you did you go to college uh, uh, right out of high school, or did something that you did later in life? So, how did you grow up to to go and to be kind of where you're at today, where you're one of the top coaches in in writing? You you speak now and all that. So let's 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 let's. Let's dissect how your life and how you got there. Yeah, I was raised in an inner city project by my mom, who, you know, um, rejected by my father, abused by my stepfather. It's a long story, um, but experienced a lot of pain. 1999 was was in a place of depression, didn't know. 
my freshman year of college. I went to college because I had a girlfriend at the time who told me her father said, listen, if you want to date, date her, you're going to have to make something of yourself. Um, and so that's just it. I didn't even, well, I, grew, I didn't see college grads and, you know, we had drugs and violence and all different kinds of influence. So I'm sitting there like, hey, I'm not going to school, but, you know, that particular relationship led me to college. Um, and after having a um, suicidal breakdown in 1999, where I tried to end my own life. So a lot of my writings is, like I said, therapeutic. I never stumbled to really be a writing coach. I just found this passion that I kept falling back into with writing. Even when I was a kid, I was in writing contests. When I was, um, you know, the hip hop came out, I became a rapper. I was writing. I was always doing something. And so I went to college and then barely graduated undergrad my last semester i took 21 hours i took seven classes seven three credit classes because i i knew mark i was the kind of dude that if i didn't do it in four years i was not going to do it so i remember getting there and by the skin of my teeth I, i've never told this story but by the skin of my teeth i am literally my mom had to come up to my computer class i waited till the last semester to take a computer class and it was at another junior college I'm a graduate of Winston-Salem State University. And so I took a class at like this place called Forsyth Tech. And believe it or not, computers was not my thing at the time. And I was like, ah, let me type the way I want. I peck. I don't need to, you know, I don't have all these things that, you know, these different things that goes on. Let me just be able to just do whatever. And I remember the teacher gave me a, a D. You couldn't have a D to graduate. So my mom was basically <laughs> like, I'm coming up there because, you know, like, I'm hopping, like this, this is an elective. This is not even a, this is an elective. And I'm sitting there with this elective. And by the skin of my teeth, they worked something out. I did a sign. I, did, I passed it. So now I went on to have seven degrees. But I laugh at that first degree because, first of all, I wasn't even going to college. I barely passed college. And then I developed after that to go back and get my, my master's, my bachelor's in theology, bachelor's in, in, in science, all those different things in doctorate and counseling, the different things that I really have now grown to achieve. But my life is it's a collection of this well thought out plan by a creator. You know, and I, I tell people who may be watching this right now, you can't choose your family. You can't choose, I wish you could edit. And I would have had my life in a better position. But everything I've experienced in life, has been a catalyst to my metamorphosis. It has really been a springboard to where I am now, right? And so I look at all of these things as almost like this well-written chapter of my life that were interconnected by pain and promise and purpose and persistence and failure and success, all of it working together like this blended soup, right, at, at grandma's table. Right. And I feel like now I'm able to identify with so many people. I've been able to go around the world. I've been able to share um, in a way that if I had not had these things that happened in my life. So my background has really prepared me for the battleground of life um, to know what to do um, when you're up and know what to do with you down and you treat everything the same. I want to tell people who are watching this, put compliments and criticisms all in the same bucket, all in the same bowl. I've learned that. People will say you're the greatest thing since sliced bread one day, and they'll come and say, hey, we don't like your writing the next day. You have to know. <laughs> that's true. So true, man. That is, that's some really true, true statements there for sure. In college is, so did you go and get, well, what's your doctorate in, first of all? Yep. My doctorate is in counseling. 
and um, counseling. So, so definitely I went back and, you know, I had so many different things that happened to me. Um, and it, I was very inquisitive about how the brain works and how the mind works. And so from, and in my faith, so I kind of, my, my undergrad was in history and sociology. Um, so then I got a bachelor's in theology, a master's in theology, uh, bachelor's in counseling. And then they got all the way up to um, a doctor in counseling. So I am a certified counselor as well. So a lot of times I help people with therapeutic writing. I can't, can't tell you how many calls I'm on and people are, it turns into a counseling session. <laughs> and they're like, wow, I didn't know that doc. But I was like, yeah, in the background, I, I, I do counseling, right? And so from that standpoint, it's been a great, great combination uh, because so many people are traumatized and they can't get past the trauma and, or, you know, they can't get past that. And a lot of times if they can write about it, it helps relieve that trauma. Yes, that is, that's, that's yeah, definitely a hundred percent. Isn't that weird too? I tell everybody that even though I teach martial arts, I'm, I'm more 65% counselor than I am a martial arts teacher. Yes, I've had many men come in here crying on my shoulders about, you know, divorce or addicted to porn or whatever it is that they're yep. struggling with and anger. And you're in my world, especially type A personalities like myself and uh, highly competitive people. I don't know, man, we, you know, we struggle with anger, you know what I mean? And if it's not, if it's not put together right, boy, it comes out, it comes out in a bad way. All right. So it yeah. comes out in a really, really bad way. Then you get, I didn't really have drinking issues, but man, you put drinking and anger together, whew, man, I, I thought, you know, I, when I was going through my divorce, it was really traumatic and mm -hmm. I'd been married for 20 years. Wow. And then this divorce comes in and, you know, my personality doesn't, you know, my baby girl is only three at the time. She's 22 now, right? It's been a long time ago, but I remember different men coming in and I'd be like, you know, there's no way that another man is going to, you know, intercede yeah. me. I can tell you that for a fact. And that battle I finally said, Hey, I got to go get some, I got to get some anger management under, under my belt. Cause I don't have ways outside of, and sometimes getting on the mat or going to fight class, isn't your best therapy for that. Cause all you're doing is beating the snot out of whoever is in front of you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, you know, and I still catch myself with that. Even today, I still struggle with it. Having a bad day or being trolled pretty hard online the other day. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm in class and I'm just like, I am fit. To, I am fit to be tied. And a couple of my, my, you know, a couple of my partners there, they got the brunt end of that. So unfortunately for them, but, <laughs> but after I was done, I was like, I mean, I got, I got to get back to this. But when I was in that counseling, a lot of people there were told by the court, they have to go. I, I, yeah. I went in. And so I want to ask you about this. I want to, I want to make this uh, in, into the thing about I'm interested in, in men's health anyway, but uh, in there, man, there's, there's some powerful uh, men in there that when they got angry, man, I mean, I was like, wow, I, I'm on the low end of the tier here, man. These guys are on a whole nother level of anger, right? You know, throwing people against the wall and their kids mm -hmm. or whatever. I was like, oh my goodness. And 
So I'm going to talk a little bit about that because uh, without that, without that class, I'm not sure what I've, you know, what, what, when we're one-on-one, -on -one, I'll tell you some, some more dark things on my, you know, yes. and, and how God kind of intersected it. But when I watched all you guys with all the guys and stuff like that get together, I want to talk a little bit about how you bring the guys together and what you see from men today. Mm -hmm. Do you see, uh, when, and your group of guys, do you see anger? Do you see resentment? I mean, what are you seeing in our men today that, that we can start helping them a little bit? Yeah. One of the things that, and I've read several books about this, they're called manhandle. When you hear the word manhandle, immediately we think of what a man um, is doing to a woman. Right. We think about man, but we don't talk about how men have been manhandled for centuries, for years, since the beginning of time. And a lot of times it's not a physical manhandling. They have been manhandled by words. So, you know, basic things when you start reeling at, looking at and reeling back and looking at men. One of the things I realized that have led me to kind of work with men is what I went through as a man. You know, being a product of divorce, being a product of different things, being a product of abuse, being a victim of, of society in so, so many different ways. I realized this key point that men feel what they don't say and they say what they don't feel. Most of the time, 90% of the time, you ask a man, hey, hey, Mark, how was that match? Oh, it was cool. You just got beat the snot out of everything, but you're not going to say, I feel rejected. I feel lost. I feel like a failure. You're going to say, oh, it was cool. Woman asked her husband, how was work? You had the day from Hades in the underworld. Like basically everything happened. He's going to say, oh, it was cool. And then that wife is going to say, okay, cool. She doesn't know him. She's not watching body language or posture or uh, being cognitive of him. She's going to say, well, baby, can you pick up the milk? And um, Jesse needs some pampers. And can you pick up such and such from little league practice? And next thing you know, he's doing all these things. And he comes home and he goes to the basement and doesn't say anything. Right? Because he really is not being heard. So I see men functioning a lot of times in two emotions. That is either anger or happy. You know, they're like, hey, I'm happy or jovial or anger. But there's so many emotions. It'll be funny if I told you today, if you said, hey, um, you know, Oliver, how are you doing right now? And I say, hey, I'm feeling melancholy. Right? You're like, what? That's a, you know, but that is a feeling. We, You know, so most men is like angry, upset, or they're like, you know, real cool, laid back, or they're just, you know, we don't use all of the different things. But if you look at our counterparts, women have a multiple array of emotions that they embrace, that they're in, right? But we're just stuck in either anger, aggression, whatever. So one of the things I noticed is all of that, that people are screaming, Mark, and I've been one of them, screaming with their mouth closed. They are screaming. Men are screaming loud through their behavior, their actions, their posture, their breathing habits. You know, we surround ourselves with stuff and trophies. You know, I've won, you know, we get in the room, we talk about nothing. We talk about stuff though. Hey, how, you know, oh, I just bought my wife the car, man. And my son just graduated top of uh, his class. And, you know, I, I just built a house. I bought, you see the ring I bought my wife. That's stuff. How are you doing? You know, not about your job, not how many meets you won. How are you physically doing? What I've seen is that, and so we created an environment, and it's been amazing. We had a conference, and hopefully you can be at the next one, man. I, I would love to get your input on this experience. But we, 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 I've been doing this since 2013, just bringing men together. And now that last one, what I realized is that people were able to bring their dirt. We have a movement called um, He Men Conference, right? And that he, 
I grew up, you know, in the seventies where He Man was a popular, you know, in, in the eighties. Yeah, I know He Man. And so I'm like, hey, He Man. But then God gave me a deeper respect that that He is greater as He that's in you than He that's in the world. It's not really us as men. It's who He really wants to be in us if we let Him out of the inside and let Him show on the outside. We have no problem putting God in the inside. The hardest part is letting Him be shown in our actions, our character, and our abilities on the outside. And then we created a space, and I call it MUD, M-U-D-D, which is men under divine dominion, coming from Genesis, where we are all created from the mud. And so if I could encourage men, imagine it's giving them opportunity where you can bring everything you've done wrong in a non-judgmental environment. You can bring your dirt in a society that tells you to hide your dirt. You can come and talk about, hey, man, this is some things that I'm really struggling with. I'm really angry at. I'm I'm not so good. At, I got the seven figures, but I have no peace. I got the beautiful wife, but I'm still addicted to porn. I'm addicted to whatever. And not be in a place where you feel like, okay, somebody's going to tell it. And we make sure we guard this with confidentiality statements. People have to sign this. We come in and we come as men with our dirt as well as celebrating the victory. So what I saw in that is, wow. And by the time somebody opens their mouth, we're like, oh, I'm dealing with that same thing. Well, yo, bro, let me tell you. Like, literally, <laughs> I had to cut them off, Mark. We were in Atlanta, and I had to say, listen, guys, they had been there since 8 that morning. It was 11 that night. Of course, it was breaks and all that stuff. I had to tell them, like, guys, I'm paying rent. We got to get out of here. You had men that were just really pouring into each other. And I w- I'm more of a facilitator than somebody who's dictating. Right. I'm, I'm actually at a place where our last mud pop up that we had, I didn't even know how vulnerable I was going to be. Those are the kind of environments it is. And I was very vulnerable with them. And some people like, whoa, but it just started to break things off of other people. And I'm a firm believer that with men, there's certain things in men that only men can unlock. Right. I'm reminded this is a powerful story. My stepdaddy, who was an abuser of me. Right. He abused me from the age of one all the way up to 12 physically. And then from 12 to six, 16, 17, it became verbal because I got bigger then. So he knew he couldn't kind of tackle me as I started to get 5'11", you know, and started to be just as big mm-hmm. as him. Then it was a different thing. But I realized something. My mother said that it took her. She was trying to potty train me. I'll give you a simple illustration. She, she could not potty train me. My stepdad came home within a few hours. He went to the bathroom and he performed. She could teach me, but she could not demonstrate. Let me say that again. She could teach me. Uh She could not demonstrate. He stood up, did what men do. I mimicked what he did, right? And even though he was abusive, I saw a pattern, something that I could relate to. And so this day and time, man, men need to see other men being vulnerable and being able to, to flow in vulnerability and being able to be comfortable, to be celebrated. Even in the mess, we celebrate men. So that's what we do, and it's been contagious and infectious. Uh, we're about to do it again in Miami in September, so it's going to be amazing. I, the, yeah, I'd, like to hit, I'd like to hit one of those, to be honest with you. I, uh, I'd like to see what that's about. Because, you know, in church, there's a lot of called, things called life groups and stuff like that, and I'm not a big fan of them. I've been really hard on being around. First of all, I'm not going in with the couples and all that, and I'm going to talk about my problems and stuff like that. There's right. just absolutely no way that I'm doing it. I don't trust anybody enough to do it, right? Yeah. Then, so 
we would go to like okay the all guys thing but i i'm not this kumbaya guy you know what i don't sing the, i don't sing kumbaya and uh we're gonna i i it was always so hard for me so and the pastor is a black belt of mine he's since he's a kid he's a really good communicator great guy he's always get, trying to get me so he asked me he goes what happens if we do bible beatdown or jesus and jits and we leave that group yeah. and i said if we can come into the studio where i can teach them how to fight and we can we can exchange some sweat and blood there'll be a di- there'll be a different bond with me especially so that's what we did. We did Bible beatdown or Jesus and Jits. And at the end of eight weeks, all those guys that wanted to fight in a cage, we put a cage up and said, okay, something you'd never be able to do again. But if you want to see that experience, we do it. And I mean, and we had some, you know, the, the guys that come to that class are the ones that would probably hardly ever go into church anyway. Right. You know what I mean? And they're just struggling. But when I, I became their teacher and then their, their peer, we'd get on the mat and we'd start hitting each other and, and bleeding a little bit. I felt I had a bond there, but I still dog, listen to what you're saying. I still have a really hard time. If I was just to sit around with a group of dudes and, and, and talk about things. See, I'm not, well, see, you grew up in your seventies. So I'm 62, yeah. 62 years old. And that generation you know, that generation, you want to talk about not talking? Yeah, everything's good every day. Everything's awesome. There is nothing wrong. But, man, underneath is the Hulk. That's why I got the Hulk all over me, right? Because yeah. I'm always trying to suppress the beast, and he's always trying to come on out. So I, I want to make sure. Masada's saying she's hearing double voices. That's weird. I wonder if it's my mic she's saying. Mark, I think there's something wrong with my mic. It could be. Well, we're almost done now, so there ain't nothing I can do about it. If it's if it's too bad when I hear the playback, then we're going to go ahead and uh, redo another one. That's good. I need an excuse to do another one. All right. So, you know, I wanted to get your feedback on that because you said something really important there, right? There's a big confidentiality. Yep. Because when you leave those groups, hey, man, we don't need – I don't need – Yep. Uh, Females, especially, yeah, I, I do not need that noise at all, right? So I was just wondering on on how how that is that something that you built into this, or how yeah. did you go about getting this? Yeah, it's something I built in. I think a lot of it has been my my experience in the counseling world. And one of the greatest compliments that I got from the conference recently in Atlanta. Um, was people got up, the men got up and said, man, I love this because this is not church. And I was like, because the church is inside of us, as we know. But the good thing is not a physical building. But what they were saying is this is not the normal, let's come to church and talk and let's be in purpose group. I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because it's, it's not that kumbaya moment. It is really, we get like most of the people that's coming around me now, Mark, as far as men, I'm a, are ex-Marines, current Marines. People that have been in the Navy, Navy chiefs, um, military guys who fought in combat, right? They, mm-hmm. they understand protocol. They understand fights. They understand pressure. But when the spirit of God comes in a way of that confidentiality, because I tell people, if you're not confidentiality, it doesn't matter how anointed or called or, or well-spoken you are. If people can't trust you with water, 
then we're not going to be able to do if you know you come and spill your guts and then i come home and tell my wife everything you shared absolutely like my wife is not allowed in that, right <laughs> it's one of those right. things like she dropped <laughs> off the food she's gone love you honey bye bye you know she may be in photos that people may tag her but she in the conference we made sure and we signed those waivers because you will be excommunicated from the group it's not a threat it's a promise if you go out and you violate confidentiality and you talk about what's going on that's 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 the protection that we have because one thing about men we've been talking about emotional intelligence as well you know we as men need to quit acting so surprised when somebody tells us something right we live in this world where everything goes but when people try to come in and say hey hey i'm having an affair with my wife or hey i, I did this thing wrong or, hey i cheated on my taxes first thing we want to do is condemn right at the end of the day we want to create an environment where okay it's confidential we're going to get you help we're going to provide you you got to be willing to whatever and then what i love about what happens in these meetings is not forced it is one of those things where people just come and i literally have to turn it off like literally we we were at the event this past weekend well two weeks ago two weekends ago it was in the snow people came from all over the country wasn't a lot of men it was 12 brothers they came from all over the country, flew in. It was snowing here. They were shoveling snow. Emilio came and shoveled snow, even in my driveway, <laughs> right? <laughs> and then we got to the Airbnb, and they didn't shovel. Emilio, again, good brother, shoveled the snow there, and, and men were coming. It was like they wanted to be there, and that's the environment, and that's because they know with me and what all the men that are part of it. It is a us gathering. It's not an Oliver gathering. It's not... Uh, thing to talk about um, how we're going to make seven figures. It's not a business boot camp. There's none of that. No selling. It is, a, it is a place where you come and be able to speak your piece and it's led by the group. You know, there's a time where we come and do whatever. And then you have authentic relationships that occur with men that have a, just a closer bond that they may share on another level that they may not share with the form or even share with me. They're able to do it. And then we put the word, then we put it in action. We watched movies together. We did activities together. We prayed together. So it wasn't just this thing of you're going to come and get Sunday school. Because I'm a firm believer. I, I was in church, the subculture of the church, but I was depressed and nobody knew it. So I was 19 depressed going to church every Sunday and nobody knew that I was depressed until I attempted to commit suicide. So I understand the value of having these conversations. Like if I would have had that group of men I could go to and be supportive uh, with, it, it was really that connection. So it, it's one of those things we, we we see and we do. And everybody keeps saying, hey, man, we love it. When is the next one? And so, so those are the things that we want to do. When you, Once you meet together in face, are you guys also doing something online or how is that how is that going about? Yes, we, we started. We do a, a biweekly just a prayer call uh, virtually. And then we're going to build out to where. We're going to be doing more trainings and different things that people might come and talk on emotional intelligence and group things. The goal is to do four pop-ups of the year. So every quarter there'll be a physical pop-up and we're going to be able to try to stream those now as well so that people can, can see those, but they're so intimate. We don't want to jeopardize the conversation being able mm -hmm. to go viral, but right. we are putting some virtual stuff in place where we can meet, but we do right now have um, every two weeks, people from all over the world, they call in and just pray as men and we just talk. So we're, we're actually doing that. And then the pop-ups are going to rotate. So right now, second quarter, we're looking at either Atlanta or Kentucky. 
Um, we have people out in LA, you know, all over. So we're really going to be taking this pop up around these meetups. Yeah. Nothing gets out here in the West coast that much. So if it comes to LA, you know, I'm there and I have yeah, property and stuff and I have property and stuff in Georgia. So Atlanta awesome. is a, is a, is a four hour, uh, meet. I go, I go to Georgia quite often. So I, I really want to hit one of these. I, I, I don't know. It's kind of taken by, by some of the stuff I saw on it and I want to, but you know, I'm, 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 I'm an old cat, right? So I'm, uh, you know, man, we, we would know, love to have you, man. Yeah. I know my personality too. Right. I, you know, and you know, I'm one of the guys in the room and I'll get on stage and I'll be all hyped up and I'll break stuff. And I'm the quiet guy in the back too. I watch everything, you know, I've got that, I don't know, probably from back from the police days, but you know, just, you know, I got that quiet demeanor that is kind of watching and, and, and learning from afar. So, and I don't have a, I don't have a good group of dudes to be honest with you. Uh, yeah. Sometimes, you know, when you're, when you're in my position, that sounds so cocky, but, I'm I'm too much of a leader for everybody else. I don't have that one that I can I can call and say, uh, you know, hey, uh, I'm gonna choke the shit out of somebody right now. Right. So you gotta put me in check, okay? Because I'm I'm about ready to go from zero to death row in a second. Yeah. So, um, I yeah I don't I don't have much of that. And I, it's just like what you said too. Is it's <laughs> men are so much like that. I know that I am. Yeah. Uh, I know that I can be that guy that, I don't know, uh, said, when you ask me how I'm doing, I'm always doing good. Right, right. I'm good. Day's good. God's good. Right. Business good. <laughs> and then I hit the iron gym so I can hear the clang of the iron just going, man. And, uh you know, being physical. And I think that's the other thing men need is some physicality. Cause without it, I, I just don't yeah. think it sharpens. It's something about iron sharpens iron, but it only sharpens when it, when it goes, when it's doing something, there's some kind of physicality that has to come with men. So I'm very interested in that. I, yeah. I'd like to do that one. I'd like to do another one with you, doc, where we only talk about men's health. I'd like to get, That'd be great. you know, I, I'd like to do that. I, you and I'd like to do it at a time. I know that I can get some other men to really listen. And I think yeah. it'd be really good if their wives had to listen to, because I don't think a lot of times, sometimes the wives understand the, how the men's thought yeah. process is, you know, and really just how simple we are, even to the fact that don't ask me to do a million things at one time. Give me a, give me a task. Yes. Let me, let me fulfill the task. When that task is done, babe, then I'm on to the next one. I'm, I'm, I'm good to go. Don't ask me to do 15 things in five minutes. Okay. Yeah, I'm just not wired that way. Okay. Uh, so I, I'd like to do that again, doc. This has been, this has been helpful for me to be honest with you. These are things about my podcast all the time. I always, I get these invaluable times. People spend yeah. thousands of dollars to spend this hour with you. And I get to do it through a podcast so that we can put it out there to, to people that, to, to know who you are and, and, uh, and my podcast is doing well right now. You know, I just I just found out that I'm in that 10 percentile of the country right now that this podcast, awesome. so, uh, you know, and it, it has to do with getting good quality guests on. And, and like you said, it's just like writing a book. It's funny. I wrote the book. So just for that very thing. So my grandkids down the road can say, hey, this is what my grandpa thought or whatever. Yes. And I started the podcast for the same thing. Years and years from now, when I'm gone, 
this thing will lead on and they're going to say, hey, man, that's how my grandpa is. And I want to be honest with you, Doc. The reason I want to do another men's thing is I think men are so freaking weak right now. Yeah. Okay. That it it boggles me. I see it in my youth, in my kids' youth in here because the world is built on you go, girl. Girls got it. Girl power. And then you're told that you're too masculine. You're, ma- you know, yes. you're, you're toxic. Yes. Everything you do is toxic. And then you, you know, listen, man, we're built to be a little toxic, bro. I don't know what to yeah. tell you. Okay. All right. And you want some toxic men around because when you need them, you're going to want yep. them. It's the men that are toxic that can control it is what you need. And I say this constantly and I see it so much as an instructor. Now I've done this for 40 years and the newest ones that are coming on, I'm like, man, how uh, you got brothers and I'm like, how do you not know how to do a headlock on your brothers? Or, do you guys wrestle at home at all? Right. No, no, we're not allowed to do any of that. We're not, what? <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm on the mat. I mean, I'm like, I don't have any hair to pull right now, but I was like, man, I'll pull my freaking hair out right now. Right. And so I'd like to, I'd like to do that. Cause Maybe maybe I'm a little amiss too. I'm 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 in that older generation. I'm you know I'm on that Gen X or you know baby boomer kind of right there on that mm-hmm. point. But you know I like to get after it, man. And yeah, I would love to have you you know come in and, and we, we and really do that. You know, I, I, I love, I, I, my son I too. He's a, he's a Taekwondo instructor. So oh, here we go. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. We'll have some we'll have some same dirt. I know if he's an instructor, I know he feels this. Cause I talked to the instructors that's been around for a long time that, you know, hey man, we gotta, we gotta get our boys toughened up to be men for crying out loud. This, you know, I, I get it that you, you can express your feelings and do that. Something mm-hmm. that we didn't really do well, but that doesn't mean that you, you just roll over and die. Right. No way. You know what I mean? Just not going to have it. And to be honest with you, I don't care what they say. You know, a future wife wants you to yeah. be a man. You know what I mean? Yes. So uh, it was, yeah, that was powerful for me. I need to hear that because I don't have a lot of, and I don't open up to a lot of guys. I'll be real honest with you. I really don't. I really have to have some kind of a connection yes. uh, or, or I'll be real shut down. Right. Cause you know, uh, I just, the, I just, I guess it's just how I'm built, you know, whether it's right yeah. or wrong, it just is. So, but I, yeah, I'd like to do that one more time, doc. Maybe we can talk about that in the future here where we can, uh, we can do just a, uh, Hey, listen, this, this one's it. We're going to, we're going to jump on, uh, something for the men for, see, I got Ray here too. see Ray, this Ray right here. He's another one. He'd be listening to that right now. He's my tattoo guy. Oh, really? Yeah. He's one of my tattoo guys. I got one or two of those, those, and by the way, they happened after 40 years old, after the divorce, and I wasn't. I got one little one on my back, and I said, I'll never sleep <laughs> my arms. Same here. I got, I got multiple. Mine just <laughs> covered up, and they happened probably in my late 30s. My, my, I told my tattoo artist, I said, no, no, no. I'm never going past this. And as soon as you do it, yeah, <laughs> I'm sleeved. I, I can't even find any place to put them anymore. And Ray, big Ray, that's listening to right there. I've got, I'm a huge train fanatic and people that know me, he's putting a massive locomotive on my back. My whole oh, back wow. is a train and he's the one doing it. We're, we're, uh, so it, I got some good, strong men around that would like to hear this. So if you're up for that doc, I'd I'm like to make it. another time that we can do it. Okay. And then it, let, let's promote your, your human club and, and see what we can do. Cause I, I'm telling you that is something I can get men to men to 
come to even on this mat you know there's a few men here that i know i can get to do this stuff so i i'd like to dabble into that if you're up for that definitely i want to definitely talk to you about september too i'd love to come and break some bricks at, at the at the he-man's conference and, and, and you know september is a pretty good month dude i don't have a lot going on in september's because all the black belt tests and stuff's done so yeah that's something i might be able to do where's that one going to be it's going to be in miami the 26th yeah, so, and 28th so what i might do maybe i'll fly into um to to savannah mm -hmm. and i'll do some seminars there at, at the school and then i'll take yeah. a, a plane flight from savannah over and then we'll we'll do that into miami great man i'd love okay. you to be a part of this yeah because the theme this year is going to be the construction site so basically i'll say this i've learned this as a man no matter where i am for example the pinnacle of my last level is still the basement of my new one the pinnacle of my last level still the basin of my, of my new one and i was talking to some guys and i was telling them at the even at the at the pop-up that we were at i was like life is a construction site it's a never in the construction site even when you're 60 70 i'm 47. when i get 60 i'm still going to be on a construction site that's different from my 47. now you look around as they're always building you would think oh man don't we got enough hotels but there's always another hotel there's always mm -hmm. something else under construction as, and as men, we're always under construction. And so that's what this whole thing about this theme of this year is going to be. Still with the mud, like, hey, let's build. Let's build on each other. Let's build on ourselves. And I like what you said about that because there's an attack against masculinity, period, these days. Mm -hmm. so it's an attack against masculinity. And so, so you, like you said, if, if I'm masculine, I'm toxic. Right? Yeah, exactly. If I stand for something, then, you know what I'm saying, I'm, I'm, I'm too stern. I'm over. Brazilians, I'm, 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 you know, so it's really being a place where that's what we're celebrating. And this is masculinity, being men, different. We don't all have to agree. Um, but at the end yeah. of the day, we're men. And so that's what we're, yeah. we're talking. So I would love, man, to have you come in. Yeah, I think I think, I think it. Uh, yeah, I, I tell you, that's that's one thing I tell everybody too. men are men. And they usually, you know, this whole race thing and all the other kind of stuff. Yeah. And I'm telling you, man, men are being attacked. OK, and they are what they are. And yep. uh uh, and, and having other strong guys around to build them up. That's what we need. Sounds like that's, you know, I met, I met the man that does it. So I appreciate you, doc. I don't want to keep you longer, man. I know I've already kept you over a little bit of time. Well, I, enjoyed this, I appreciate man. your time so much. And we will, uh, we'll get another one of those, um, uh, going for sure. All right. Definitely, definitely Mark. I appreciate right, you. Man. Thank you. You too, man. You have a good night. Doc. You've been listening to real talk with Mark Cox. Real life, real topics, real conversation. We're passionate about motivation, fitness, self-defense, weight loss, and coming at it from a real angle. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. And we hope you had fun. We know we did. We'll be back soon. But in the meantime, hit us up on Instagram and Facebook at MarkCox100. Make sure to subscribe and review. And tell a friend or two about the show for 